Uh, Acts chapter 16. Uh, man, I'm a, uh, we talked about being thankful, embracing Thanksgiving, and that's not being thankful every once in a while. You know, God doesn't expect perfection. This is what he constantly says. He says, I bless, actually he says, I make rich. That word rich doesn't mean just finances. It means I make you whole. I, I satisfy you in all aspects of life for those who are consistently righteous. So he doesn't expect perfection, but he expects consistency. We can't do perfection but we can be consistent. And he said, I bless the consistent ones, not the perfect ones, because he doesn't expect that from us. But he does know by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit, we can be consistent. What does it mean to be consistently righteous? That means we consistently keep our relationship with God right. And so he wants to bless the consistent. And when you consistent, when you live a lifestyle, when you're consistently thankful for the good things that happen, when, when we thank God for winning that ticket, we thank God for, we wake up in the morning and say, God, I got a roof over my head. I got a good night's sleep. I have a soft bed to lay in. I got food in my cabinet. I got a job I get to go to. I got a paycheck coming in. I tell you, if you've never had those things, you get real appreciative of having them. But if you've always had them, you need to really be thankful. Because there's people around the world that don't have that. I've told you the story before. South Africa, 60% unemployment. Hey, I see you guys there. Some of our church family that betrayed us and moved to Albuquerque and go to Legacy Church now. I still love you, though you left us. <laughs> anyway, good to see you. But... Uh, but listen, so I saw those lines where there'd be 200 people on the backside of these factories, 200 in one straight line, waiting for someone to be late. And there was a, a, the boss was at the door, and when these people walked in late, they just grabbed the next person, your job. And they waited, 60% unemployment. Man, and you gripe about your job? Oh, be thankful you have a job and a paycheck. Be thankful that you're so blessed to live in a nation that there's help-wanted signs all over the place. Oh, you need to be, we need to be thankful. Living a lifestyle of thankfulness will do these things. It'll bring healing, physical healing. We saw that in the Word. I showed you scripture after scripture. It'll bring deliverance. When, when Jonah got thankful, man, God, God spit him right out into his destiny. When he got thankful, some of you are waiting on your destiny. God's waiting on you. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting for you to be thankful, and he'll deliver you to it. Uh, he, we saw through thankfulness, resurrection power. Jesus said, I thank you, Father. You've already heard my prayer, and he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. You want something resurrected in your life? Get thankful. We talked about multiplication, how he thanked God. Each time he multiplied that bread and fish, uh, he said, thank you, Father. And man, multiplication came. We talked about victory and prosperity. When, when the king and the people of Israel led with the praise and worship team, God brought them victory from their enemies. He fought for them, and then they picked up the spoils of war for three straight days. You want to walk in victory and walk in God's prosperity for you? You got to be thankful for what you have. You have to be thankful to God where you're at. Then the next thing we talked about and we're going to talk about right now is freedom and salvation. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas are put in a prison and their feet are bound with chains. They're in stocks and bound in chains in the inner prison, the darkest place, no light. You can imagine how nasty the prisons were, how horrible the conditions are. Here's their response when they find themselves in a tough situation because they're doing what's right. Many times we do what's right and we find ourselves in a tough situation. Now there's a saying among the world, I, I hate this saying, I hate it because it's demonic. 
I don't hate the people saying it, but I hate the saying. Hey, uh, there's, you get punished for doing what's right. I'm not saying that exactly how they say it, but you know what I'm talking about. They say it now like, man, yeah, there's all, you always get punished for doing what's right. There's always something bad happens to you for doing what's right. That's, that's a demonic thought to keep people from doing what's right. You do what's right for God to bless you, not others. Not others to appreciate it, not others to value it, not others to thank you for it. You do what's right to get God's value, God's thanksgiving, and God's reward. They did what was right and were thrown in prison. Here's the thing. Here's what happens. So it says, Paul and Silas, undaunted, began to gripe and complain and tell God how sorry he was. Is that what it says? Man, it's these religious glasses. I got to clean these, man. I get those religious glasses off of me. No, that's not what happened. Paul and Silas, undaunted. Otherwise, they aren't quitters. They... They prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God. They began to thank God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Then suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open. All at once. So what happens is when you're thankful, God will begin to shake the foundations of the things around you to shake loose freedom for you. Not just you, though. It opened every prison door around them. It'll not just bless you, it'll bless those around you when you're thankful, even in the midst of trouble. Even when you've done right, what's right and you're paying a price for it, if you'll just begin to praise and worship and be thankful, God will do, he'll, he'll bring you freedom. He'll deliver you. And that's what he did here. He brought freedom and then this happened. Uh, all at once, every prison door flung open in the chains of all, all, everybody say all. All the prisoners came loose. Then verse 31, for time's sake, we skip down what happened. So the prisoners and the prison guard, the, the guy was going to kill himself because if anybody got loose, it was the death sentence to the jailer. But they said, Paul heard from the Holy Spirit and said, stop, don't kill yourself. Because he heard from the Holy Spirit. He said, no one's left. No one's left. You're all right. And the guy said, man, what must I do to be saved? Then they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. So this jailer takes them home, cleans them up, feeds them, and then they, they tell the jailer and the family about Jesus. So not only, not only do they get set free because they praised and worshiped God when they did what was right and evil happened to them for doing what's right, but they also ended up having a testimony and leading all the jailer and his family and all the other prisoners in that jail came to know Jesus as Lord. And you can imagine how the jailer treated everybody after that. He treated them with mercy after that because he'd been shown mercy. Oh, my goodness. Good things happen when you're thankful, even in the midst of doing what's right and paying a price for it. You get thankful, God will move. Don't gripe in your way. You'll, you can gripe and complain your way to stay in prison, or you can begin to praise and worship and thank God and get out of prison. You get to choose. Next thing, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5. We're not going to turn there, but this is what Ephesians 5 says, that when you're thankful, you invite the presence of God in your life. Uh, God is on, omnipotent and omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. He knows everything all at once, past, present, and future. But to actually experience his presence is different. He said, when you live a thankful life, when you're consistently thankful, you'll experience God's presence in your life. Oh, man. Being thankful, living a lifestyle of thankfulness is incredible. I, I want to encourage you to embrace thank, being a thankful consistently in your life. 
Thank him for every good thing that happens to you. Let that be your first response. Man, praise God. Thank God. And people around you, even at work and stuff, you'll say, they'll tell you something good happened to them. You'll say, man, praise God. That's so cool. I just thank God he did that for you or did that for me. And they'll, it'll freak them out, but that's okay. We live unapologetically. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're unashamed. We're not crude and we're not cruel, but we're unashamed of the goodness of God in our life, and we need to help them recognize it in their own. Amen? Now I want to teach you to embrace the kingdom of God. What is that, what is that like? Well, let's talk about it. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. First sermon Jesus preached. It's really interesting that he start, how he starts that sermon is really, really interesting. How he starts it. And we're going to take, we're going to read all this in the New King James up here on the board because it's this, these, this language is more familiar to us than the Passion Version. And it says this in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in what? You know, I hear people twist this scripture constantly. They say, blessed are the poor. That's not what that, in any version you look at, it doesn't say that. Listen, poor means lack. I don't know anybody who's happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable, what that word blessed means, happy. I don't know anybody that lives in constant lack that's happy. I don't know anybody that lives in constant lack that's happy. It doesn't say poor as in financially poor or you have lack in your life. No, it says poor in what? And there's a reason for that. It says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't just mean they go to heaven, but that word kingdom means the rule, the covering. Those who are poor in spirit, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that you are depend from the deepest part of you, you're dependent on God. You depend on God. You realize that spiritually that you are poor. And the only one that can satisfy that hole in you is God, and you depend on God in every, not in a part of your life, in every aspect of your life. You're like, God, I depend on you to have a, a good marriage. I depend on you for my health. I depend on you for my, my, uh, my needs. I depend on you for my desires. I depend on you for, to help me raise my kids. I depend on you to go to work. I depend on you to, in my sex life. I depend on you to put food on my table. God, I depend on you for my happiness. I depend on you for my joy. I depend on you for my patience. I depend on you to teach me what love is and how to express it. God, I'm dependent upon you recognizing that spiritually I am deficient I have a lack without God in my life and I depend on him people who say I do not want God in my life are self-willed and want to live independent of God, and that's why they have this huge hole in their life that they try to fill with everything else that will not satisfy it. It will never do it. You'll have to have more and more and more of that because you have a hole that is, that is that it, the only one that can fit in that is not just God, but God's rule, his kingdom rule over your life. Here on earth and in heaven, when you recognize your need for God, not want, not desire. A lot of people want God. They don't need God. There's a difference. They want what God has, but they don't need God to rule over their life. Let me tell you something. They're in the same place as those who reject God completely. They're in a place outside the kingdom rule. I don't know about you. I want God's covering over my entire life. 
So, so I've got to recognize I don't have a want, I have a need. I'm deficient in this area in my spirit that God has to satisfy, and I'm dependent on him to, to take care of that need. And out of this, what's on the inside of me comes the outside. What's, what's good on the inside projects on the outside instead of the outside projecting to the inside. I live inside out, not outside in. If you read the whole sermon from Matthew 5 to chapter 7, you'll find that Jesus, after he talks about some of these things, he begins, he begins to rebuke religion. He begins to rebuke religion. He said, he said listen, this isn't a show. Religion is a show. It's a show. It's cosmetic and it's a show. Relationship is not a show. It's like people who pretend to be happily married, and then six months later, you find out they're divorced. You're like, whoa, they put on a good show. People who act like Christians, and then, man, crazy stuff comes out. And you're like, they put on a good show. This isn't a show. This is the real deal that in your heart is God or nothing, man. I'm dependent on God for everything good in my life. For all good and perfect gifts come from him and him alone. When you're independent of him, you're in rebellion to God. And king, the kingdom of heaven doesn't rule over you. Now, nor will it ever. And you'll get what the kingdom of this world gets. You'll get death in this life, destruction in this life, addictions in this life, and you'll get hell forever. God, in his infinite love and mercy, died so that no one has to do that unless you choose it. That's how much God loves us. He doesn't want to rule over us to beat us down. Why does he want to do that? What is that first word? Blessed. Let me tell you about this word blessed in the Greek. It, it's, like, it's pronounced, I think, markosos in, in the Greek. I think that's right. I don't speak Greek, so I'm doing, I'm just pretend like I know what I'm talking about when I speak those words. And so it, it's, that's, how it's, that's the word, and it means to live otherworldly. Like you don't live in this world. You live by a different value system. This is what it means in the Greek. And it means that this is what the Greeks would say to each other. Man, they don't, they're not, they don't live by the values of this world. And it also says they don't live by the cares and worries of this world either. But they weren't pertaining it to the Bible. So in the Bible, there's another uh, uh, addition, you, a prefix you can put on this word. That's why this is called the Beatitudes. Because in the Greek, they added the B-E-A-T-I to this. So it's not just, it's not just you live in another kingdom by its values and rules and not by the values and rules and worries and cares of this world. But it adds this prefix to it that means happy and rich. That means happy and full. No lack. There's no lack. God says, I want to what? Bless you. What's Jesus' first sermon? God wants to bless you. That's his heart. He knows when you live under his rule, you'll walk in his blessings. It's more blessed to give than to receive. God loves to give. And he says, I love a cheerful giver. God is a cheerful giver. He's not, people treat God like he's reluctant. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says, you treat me like I have a short arm. You know those commercials that they show those people with alligator arms at the table? They're actually alligators. And they throw the check out. And they're like, oh, I'll get that. 
I can't quite reach it. Can you? You know, and then someone else picks up the check and they're like, oh, man, I would have paid. That's my children over every meal we eat, you know. But they don't apologize. They're like, that ain't happening. You're getting that check. And so, but listen, but God, God said, you treat me like my arms are short, like I'm alligator arm. He said, what if my arm ever been short? He said, man, I'm a, I'm a cheerful, abundant giver. He wants to bless you. The question is, do you want his blessings? To get them, you have to be under his kingdom rule. You got to live by kingdom principles, not this world's principles. Uh, he's got more. Go to the next verse. Blessed are, the, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, a lot of people think, religious people act like you got to walk around like you're sad, man. You, if you're a Christian, you better be down and out. I grew up in churches. I, I never saw anybody smile. And I was lost. I was a sinner. I'm like, man, I laugh more with my buddies out partying. I come to church, you guys all look miserable. Because they buy into this religious nonsense that you got to be kind of down and out and kind of mournful and sad and depressed. And man, we got more people on depression medication than ever before. Even in the church, it shouldn't be so. What God's talking about here is you mourn over what he mourns over. Let me tell you what God mourns over. He mourns over sin, but he mourns over the impact of sin. Why? Because it's painful. To who? To people. Jesus, it says, there's, one, there's a scripture. It's one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. Jesus wept. What, what was he weeping over? He wept over the fact that his friend Lazarus had died because sin brings death and all the pain it caused his family and those that were there. He, he, didn't, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew it way before he died. He wept over the pain that sin causes. And he said, if you really love me and you're, you're, you're submitted to my rule, then you're going to develop an emotion that you hate sin, but you don't, you don't hate people. You mourn over the impact of sin. And it's going to do two things. What does he say? For they shall be what? Comforted. That's the same word comfort when it talks about the Holy Spirit as the helper. He said, I'm going to bring you help. If you mourn over what I mourn over, which is the sin and its impact on people's lives, the pain it causes them. When you mourn over that, he said, I'm going to come and help you. What is he going to help you do? He's going to help you not to sin, to not cause that pain to yourself and others. That's the first help he's going to give you. He's going to give you another type of help. This is going to be the help that you encourage others to not sin too. I don't know about you. When I was in the world, I never wanted to do it. I still, anybody knows me knows I don't like to do anything by myself. If, I, if Julie says, hey, will you pick up food? If I'm home, I'm like, hey, Code, you want to ride with me? I always want to take someone with me. I even do that with Julie. Julie says, I'm going to go pick up groceries. I say, can I go? Can I go? I don't like doing anything by myself. And when I was in the world and I wanted to do something evil, I want to do something sinful, I always, like, hey, man, you want to come with me? Let's go party. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. I always want to take people with me. And I took a bunch of them. But when I got saved, God began to help me not to want to hurt him and to hurt others because sin always causes pain to not just yourself but to other people. He began to develop in me this attitude that it's hurtful to not just me but to others. Then, after he took care of me, helped me, then he helped me to stop encouraging people to sin and start encouraging people to do what's right and go another direction, a whole other direction. I don't know about you, that's much more fun. 
to say, come on, let's do what's right together. There's so much more joy. And then the, what comes out of it? What's the first word? Blessings come out of that. Not only is your life blessed, but you begin to bless others because you're leading them a different direction and they get to walk in that good stuff too. And you're like, whoa, this is all good. Let's go. Then maybe God gives you a platform to tell every thousands of people. It's so much fun to lead this direction than the other direction. But you have to begin to develop. And, you know, all these things don't come naturally to us. You have to be intentional at first. It's like eating right. I'd rather eat enchiladas than ice cream. Anybody with me? But every once in a while, i got to eat a salad. I have to be intentional eating that, eating right. I have to be, Julie and I, when we try to eat right, I have to be, when I fasted, I lost a bunch of weight. Man, I came off of that. Man, I wanted to eat everything. I got McDonald's. I mean, I went, I ate Valley, I've eaten a Valley Cafe. I just first, I ate there twice the next day. And I've gained a ton of weight back. But, but now I know, hold on a second, I have an appetite for that food, but I'm going to have to be intentional. You have to become intentional of submitting your life to the kingdom. You have to be intentional on saying, God, I'm dependent on you for my decisions and how I live. You have to be intentional to say, God, I, 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 don't, I hate sin the way you hate it, but I hate it for the same reason. Because it causes people pain, hurt. It hurts people. hurts my life and hurts others' lives. You have to begin to be intentional and just act on it. After a while, the emotions of it will follow. But you first have to be intentional. Then you get to walk in the blessing. When you intentionally eat right, you, man, you feel somewhat. When you intentionally work out, you're like, look at me. <laughs> right, your clothes fit better. This, this thing used to hang off of me, man. Now I'm like, I'm filling this jacket up. <laughs> you know, but listen, you always feel better in your clothes. You feel better in life. You like the results of what you get from it. And then guess what? Now you, get, then you start getting addicted to that instead of addicted to the other thing. Next one. Oh, I like God trying. He's, this is Jesus' first sermon. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. That's, what he, that's how he starts his first sermon. He said, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, happy and rich. Those who live by a different kingdom than the one of this world. Those who live under kingdom of heaven rules and reign. Get happy. Get blessed. He said, are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Man, this is, this is another one that religion, man, religion always takes stuff and twists it because that's what religion does. It's cosmetic and fake. So how religion t treats this is, man, I just got to be a pushover. I just, I'm just a little doormat come and walk on me. <laughs> and that Christians are weak. And, and that's why a lot of men rejected Christianity for a long time because it was so, it felt like it was feminizing men, that you couldn't stand up for nothing and you couldn't have a voice and you couldn't stand up for justice and you couldn't fight back when you had to, when you had to defend yourself. You had to be this meek, little meek little pushover. Can I tell you, that's not what that means at all. That's what religion will tell you. It'll make you a wimp, ladies. It'll make you a wimp, men. Religion will. But real truth doesn't do that. That word meek is the same word they used to use when they, when they broke horses. When they broke horses. Now, listen, I, I've watched the cowboys break horses. Man, and they'll, they'll get bucked off and another one will get on or they'll get back on it till they break that doggone horse. And you know what? They're not trying to break that horse of its power. 
They're not trying to make that horse walk around like, I just can't do that. No, they're trying to break its will. But keep its power, its abilities, and its strength. And have it submit to the rider so it's real productive. Horses, I, in Oklahoma, all over the place around where Julie's family lives, and all of, there's all these wild horses. They just run around, eat grass, and poop. They're not productive in any level. But the horses that are on a ranch, horses that are on a farm, they're productive. They fulfill a purpose. Listen, God doesn't want to break you of your power, of your strength, your talents, your abilities. He wants to break you of your will. And that's what he's talking about here. He said, blessed are those who say, not my will, but your will, Lord. That aren't in rebellion to God that say, you know what, God? You say I shouldn't get drunk, but that's none of your business. You say I shouldn't do this sexually, but that's none of your business. I'm going to do what I want. See, those aren't the meek. The meek are those that say what Jesus said. Man, if there's any other way I can do this, I'll, let's do it. But I, not my will, Lord, your will. You know what Jesus was saying there, right there? It's, I would like, my will would like not to do this. But I'm not gonna do what I wanna do. And he's setting an example. We're seeing his humanity. We're seeing his human side. Then we saw his God side, not my will, but your will. He's showing us how to live, that we don't want to always do what's right, but if we say, not my will, but your will, Lord, we get what? They shall inherit the earth. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. This has been misinterpreted. What he's talking about is that when God created you, even before you existed in your mother's womb, he'd already created a purpose, a destiny, and an inheritance for you. He has stuff for you. Uh, I've heard these stories a bunch of times. People go to heaven and the angel leads them to this big warehouse and they see all this stuff like, man, all this stuff looks like it belongs on earth. Yeah, that's all the stuff you missed out on that God couldn't give you. You didn't get your full inheritance. When he talks about inheritance, it doesn't mean you're gonna get Africa. You're gonna rule over India or North America or Central. He's not talking about that. He's talking about your inheritance that he has for you on earth. He has an inheritance for you. I don't know about you. God leaves me an inheritance. I want to know what it is. I, I want to know exactly what it is. And you know what? He left a last will and testament to tell me what my inheritance was on the earth. Come on now. Every one of these blessings have this in common. He wants to bless you, but he also wants to bless through you. There's some things that you are supposed to be taking care of for others, because, but because you haven't submitted your will to his, his will, you haven't received it to sow it. God said, I give seed to the sower. When you're submitted, your will to his will, he'll begin to give you seed, not for you to eat. He'll give you seed to eat. He'll, he'll fill you up, but he wants to give you seed to sow too. You know, when we did Forged, we did a, a, a gun raffle. We're going to do a gun raffle at the Joy of Marriage, too. Some people like guns. I like guns. Julie's like, can, can we put a different name in there? Because we can't win it. It's, it's two Rugers, men and women's. Woo, they're good pistols. Someone's going to win that. I'm going to be happy for you. Okay, but listen, uh, we did a gun raffle, and we, got, we raised $30,000 above the cost of the guns. And... Uh, Legacy had 15 and we have 15. You know why we got seed to be a sower? Why we got seed to sow? Is because we're sowers. Yeah. 
all the time. Year round, we give away. So we took that 15,000, carved it up in three ways. We gave 5,000 to the police department because they had a dog die and they had to replace it. And we gave them the 5,000 to help them replace it. Then we gave 5,000 to CASA because we, want, we love people that help kids. Then we gave 5,000 to the women's shelter because men ought to take care of women, ought to be a blessing to those that are abused and help those that are hurting and help those that are helping us. That's what men should, that's what people should do. Listen, we, over 20 year time, if you were at our 20 year, we gave away four, we've given away $4 million to the lost, the hurting, four mil. Woo, we did that together, that excites me. And God will, God continues to give us seed to sow. Why? Because we said, not our will, but your will be done, Lord. When you do that, you get your inheritance. And man, not only will he bless you, but he'll give you stuff to give, and it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's so much fun. It's fun to be a check casher, but it's even more fun to be a check giver. But you got to become a check casher to become a check giver, and you got to submit your will to his will. He wants to give it to you. You have an inheritance on the planet that's uniquely yours, and he wants to bless you. Oh, we got to hurry. Come on, next one. Oh, this just gets better. Blessed, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable, happy and rich. Those that live outside the cares and worries of this world but live by the kingdom of heaven rule are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they should be filled. What is righteousness? Let's take that word first. That means they have, you have a desire to, to please God and keep your relationship right with God. And when you have that, then you have a desire to keep your relationship right with others. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Now, I think about hunger and thirst. Man, I tell you what, there's days I'm hungry and I go out to eat. You can ask my wife, you can ask my kids, you can ask Pastor Sean and the staff, those who eat with me. I'll ask them every time, what are you getting? And I'll, I, I don't like it that they put descriptions on the menu because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get that. And then I start reading down. I'm like, oh no, that sounds good. Oh no, hey, I got that. I, I'm like, man, I can't eat all five of these things. But they all sound so delicious. Whoever writes those, man, is incredible. I ought to get an Oscar or something for that. I mean, they, I look at the menu, and guess what? God's given us a menu. Oh, this is his menu. It's a big menu, and there's lots to eat. Let me tell you, though, after I read all that, and I, I come to a conclusion, finally decide what I'm going to get, I'm like fixed on it. I don't order let me talk about the waiter for a second. The waiter, I'm the waiter in this church. I'm here to answer questions and give you the menu. But you're the eat, you gotta be the eater and the drinker. Listen to me. I don't order and say, hey man, bring me a, bring me a, a mango tea, sweet tea, and bring me this food. And I don't get up after I order it and leave. I don't leave. What do I do? I stay in, eat, and drink. Now, after I came off the fast and I drove by McDonald's and I smelled those stinking French fries, <laughs> Nick, Snowburger, got me hooked on those French fries. How did I get hooked on those French fries, Pastor Sergio? How did I begin to crave? I'm just, I'm not picking on you, buddy. I'm just, I'm gonna try to make you look good here. You need some help. I'm gonna help you. Now listen. This is it. It's going to be a real easy one. Get ready. So how did I get to where when I smelt those French fries, I wanted to eat them? How did I get to crave them? What is the first thing I did? 
I smelled them. But what did I do before I smelt them? I drove by. You're getting there, getting close. The f- I developed an addiction, a craving for them because I first ate them, tried them. Listen, someone asked me this week, how do you get to where you hunger and thirst and want more of God and want to read the word? You got to taste stuff to eat. God said, taste and see that I'm good. You got to begin. You got to intentionally go to the word and say, there's a menu item on here. God said he'll do this for me. I'm going to stand and believe for that until I taste it. Because once you taste it, you get hooked on it. You'll begin to crave it. But you got to be intentional and say, okay, I'm going to step out on God's word right here, and I'm going to believe you to prosper me. I'm going to believe you to heal me. I'm going to believe you to make my, make my marriage better. I'm going to stand on your word because once you taste it, you get, man, I've, I, could go to, I could go to any place in the world, and they could say, hey, you ever heard of this thing called green chili chicken enchiladas or whatever? I'm like, I've never heard of it. Man, I eat those suckers. You got any right now? Let's go buy the ingredients, and we'll figure out how to make them. I mean, because once you eat this stuff, it's like, I got to have me a good tortilla. Woo, come on now. Put some butter on that bad boy. And some, uh, some salsa. I mean, just, just, you don't need anything else. Right? Why? Because once you taste it, you know it's good. You develop a hunger. Once you drink a drink like Sprite, what is that you always order for us? Sprite Zero something, you know. She's got like these 15 descriptions, but it's really good. And every once in a while, she'll order one. I'm like, you know, I'm going to get me one of those. Why? Because I've tasted it and I know it's good. I know it's good. So you develop it. So once you begin to taste and see that God is good, man, oh, man, oh, man, you start wanting more. You just, it's like food. You want more. And man, I tell you, the menu is descriptive and huge. There's thousands of, of menu items on the, on the menu, and he wants you to have them all. He said, though, you have, to, you have to develop a hunger. You have to be intentional to start. You have to start eating of the word, eating of the promises, and then start feeding on them and eating them, and you're going to develop a craving. You're going to start hunger and thirst for the goodness of God. Oh, man, I hung. He said, you'll be what? You're going to walk out of there like, I need a nap. He's going to fill you to the brim. Next one. Come on. We got to hurry. Reed's not out here playing yet. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Man, I tell you, God said, who too much is given, much is required. I, when I look at my life, I think, oh, God, how much mercy have you shown me? Mercy, this is what mercy is. Mercy isn't, man, I feel sorry for you. I hope you get better. No, mercy is, I, I, I feel for you, and I want to do something to relieve some of your pain. Man, I know people have had people pass away this last year, and we've done so many funeral services, but we try to do everything we can to relieve some of the pain. Sometimes it's just a hug, just cry on my shoulder. Sometimes it's just that. I just want to relieve any, what, I can't do what God can do. Only God can take away all the pain, but I can do something. And mercy says, I'll cook a meal for you. I want to do something to comfort you. I want to do something to eliminate some of the pain. I want to hug you. I want to hold you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, do, I'm going to pay a bill for you. I'm going to do something for you because I want to help you just eliminate some of that pain. Because, man, that's what mercy, mercy acts, not just feels. And this, what is his promise? Blessed, blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. He's saying when you sow mercy into other people's lives, when you need a shoulder to cry on, when you need a meal cooked for you, when you need someone to help you out, when you need someone to pay a bill, when you need someone to pray for you, God said, I'll send it to you in bucketfuls because you've been merciful. Because you've acted, I will act on your behalf. I think about Ralph and Shelly Cobos over here. If you don't know them, I'm telling you, their family's incredible. They are some of the best Christians I know because they're there. Every Someone's sick. Someone's had a, someone pass away. They cook meals. They serve. They give. And then one of Ralph's family passed away. And you got to be on the other end of that. And I, what did I tell you? You guys said, oh, man, thank you. I'm like, don't thank me. You sowed mercy. And when you needed some help just to eliminate some of the pain, you got it in bucketfuls because they sowed it. Guys, that's what God means by that. I don't know about you, but I know there's going to be times in my life I need some mercy. I just need someone to help. How you get it is you begin to show mercy. Come on, quick. We got to be quick now. The hooks come out. <laughs> my my leave, the, leave the platform music is on. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Oh, my goodness. Guys, listen. Pure of heart, sometimes we think we got to be without sin or no bad thoughts. That's not what pure heart means. Pure heart means your loyalty is undivided. Your loyalty is undivided. You're not loyal to this person and to God. You're not loyal to this thing and to God. You're not loyal to money and God. You're not loyal to stuff and God. You're not, you're not loyal to, to, it doesn't mean you don't have loyalties to people, other people, but your first loyalty is to God and God alone. James 1 says, man, if you're double-minded or double-hearted, expect to receive nothing from God. The pure at heart say, you're God, there's no other gods before you. You're God and God alone and my first and final loyalty, no matter what happens, no matter what everybody else does, belongs to you. He said, when you, when you have an undivided heart, they shall see God. What shall you see God do? Oh, you're going to begin to go, oh my gosh, I know God. He had to do that. And I see God over here. And I see God moving here. And God had, only God could have done that. And that impossible thing, God had to do because it was impossible for me and anybody else. But God did it. He's the God of the impossible. He makes the impossible possible. I see God here. And I see God there. And I see God back here. And I see God right here. And I see God over there. You start to see God move when you have an undivided heart. Oh, come on. We got, oh, come on. Go to the next one. Blessed are the peace. We didn't even get to the last one today. I thought we did. This would be the last one. You, you're going to have to read the rest of it for yourself. I'm giving you, I'm giving you the hors d'oeuvres. Go eat the rest of the meal. Five through seven. That's the, okay, listen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemaking, church family, peacemaking is not what you think it is. Most people think peacemaking is I'm just not going to address the issue. Listen, if I wanted to make peace with you, I wouldn't talk about people living together. If I wanted to make peace with you, I wouldn't talk about people's sex lives. I wouldn't talk about people's thoughts or if I want to, if I just, if you thought that was peace, it's just ignoring problems and ignoring stuff. It's not. What God said is peacemakers are those who can, out of love, with no rocks in their hands, because we've all sinned. Listen, man, we've all sinned. So out of love, you tell people the truth. You just say, hey, listen, here's the truth. I love you. I care about you. I want good things to happen to you, but here's the truth. You have a divided heart. Here's the truth. You have a bad attitude. 
Here's the truth. You're not thankful. Here's the truth. You're in sexual sin, and that's the truth. And I want you to have peace between Jesus. This is how we know this is what it means. Jesus made peace between us and God. What issue did he address? The sin issue. When you address the sin issue, you bring real peace between them and God and that you bring peace into their lives. That's what a real peacemaker is. You tell the truth in love. And you begin with somebody. You know who you begin with? (laughs) You gotta be honest with yourself. You wanna make peace with God and bring peace into your life? A lot of people say, man, I just want peace. Well, you want peace? You gotta start being honest with yourself about what you've done. You don't, point, you don't deal with somebody else first, you deal with you first. And you say, okay, God, I want peace. I want peace in my life, I want peace between you and me. So man, I gotta be honest with myself. God, show me. I, if I don't see it, show me. King David said, if there's any iniquity in my heart, God, show it to me. Let me deal with it. He didn't say, God doesn't come in and go, oh, I'm glad you asked. And come in like a critic. No, he's like, man, son, daughter, let me, let me just say this to you. Man, you, you just got, you got, you got this thing over here you're doing, and it's wrong. Let me show you in your word, my word, that it's wrong, and it's wrong, and I want to help you. I'm not just going to point out the wrong, but I want to help you fix the wrong. That's the first thing he'll do, he'll help you. He'll help you. And then he'll help you to help others and say, you know what, I used to do that too. I used to drink. I used to smoke dope. I used to be in sexual sin. I, I've done these things. But you know what, I know I, God helped me, and I, God will help you. But i got to tell you the truth in love. That's sin. And as long as you're living in sin like that, You're closing doors on God. You want to open up doors of blessings? You got to let God, you got to be honest with yourself and between you and God. Starts here. Then you can begin to help others. Help them be what? What do you want to help them be? Blessed. 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 Listen, every eye closed. Man, here online, I hope you... I hope you ate something out of this. I hope this was some meat to you and something that blessed your life because it sure blessed my life studying it. Sure blessed my life preaching it. And I I learned every time I read God's word. And I hope you you got something. I hope those who already know God that you got encouraged and fed and gonna leave here focused on some of these things and walking in God's blessings. But I wanna address those who don't know God. You've never submitted to his kingdom rule. He's not king of kings to you. He's not Lord of lords. He's not your, your, your king, your master, your, your Lord, your God that you're submitted to. You've never prayed that. You never said, God, I give you my life because you have better things for me than what I could choose. I need you. I don't just want you. I need you. I need you to lead, guide, and direct my life. I need you. You never prayed that, but you know today. You're watching because you know you, there's this hole. You are poor in spirit, but you, don't, you haven't recognized who's the one that can fill you, satisfy you. But you do today. You realize it today. It's God. That's who you've always needed to heal you from your past, to forgive you of what you've done, to help you forgive others and 
Start learning to care and live and live a life worth having and worth giving away. God wants to do that. He's always planned to do that for you. But it's your choice. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've wanted to gather you, gather you like a hen gathers its little ones, take care of you, protect you, save you, but you wouldn't do it. You didn't want it. Man, if you've lived with I don't want it and rebellion to God, independent, self-willed, listen, God won't make you do it, but he's offering you a choice, another choice, to go to heaven and not to hell, to live free from the, the addictions and control and power of sin to control you, to live a life worth having and giving away. He wants to do that for you. The question is, do you need it? Do you realize your need to be saved? Do you realize your need to be forgiven? Do you realize your need to have God as God? And if you do, and you've never prayed, we want to pray with you right now, here or online. If, and there's another group that I want to address, and that's those of you who, man, you, you've known God, and you ran away from home, man. You're just running. But you're here, and you're listening because you know better. You've tasted and know how good it is. Come on back. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you want to pray and get this right with God today, your relationship right, here's your moment. Here's your moment. So online, I want you right now to send us a message saying, man, I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. In this room, on the count of three, right where we're seated, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, it's me. And then after that, right where you're seated, we're all going to pray. Here we go. On the count of three, just raise your hand and say, I need God. I need him. I need him. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and just put it up and put it down. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you all. Thank you. That's incredible. That's incredible. So many of you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you all. You can put those hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. And those of you who already know him, let's pray with those that are coming home or coming to know God for the first time as God. Let's pray. Let's pray with them and encourage them. Say this with me. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe in order to satisfy your love for us, you sent Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do. Live a holy life and die for our sins. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you raised him from the dead because death can't hold you down. And you don't want it, to, want it to hold us down. You want to give us eternal life in heaven instead of death. Thank you. Because I believe that, I ask you, God, by the blood of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. And teach me to forgive. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ. I submit my will, my life, to your rule. Teach me now how to live life. And life so full, I have to give it away to others. Thank you for saving and restoring me. Until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good he is.